Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of M365 Voice. I'm Antonio Mayo. And I am Mike Monorani. And today we have a special guest with us. We've got Sébastien Levert, or uh, a friend of ours that we like to call Super Seb. And today we're talking <laughs> about the new landscape of the SharePoint developer. So hi, Seb. Welcome for to our podcast, and thanks for joining us. Thanks for the invitation. My pleasure. Happy to be here today in that really sunny Montreal morning. So quite happy to be here. It's uh, it's fun to talk with you guys. Great. We're actually coming to you from three cities. Seb, you're in Montreal. Mike, you're in Ottawa, and I'm in Toronto. And it looks like the weather here in Toronto is pretty awesome too. Yes, spring is around the corner. It's always a good yes. thing. So, Seb, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do and where you work? Yeah, so um, I've been um, working in the SharePoint space forever. So basically my first gig ever was SharePoint. Uh, I love to say that I was born uh, in SharePoint. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, 15, years ago, 15 years ago, started with the very, very early betas of 2007. And now we're in 2020 and we are, uh, I'm still doing SharePoint um, more on the, developer side of things. So I'm, I'm a geek. I love to code. I still love to code today. Um, I've been doing that pretty much all of my career uh, until I joined my uh, uh, current company, which is called Valo Intranet, where we build digital workplace solutions for the enterprise. So from governance uh, within Microsoft Teams to the corporate intranet solution to ideation within the enterprise all of these different tools. Um, I am the product lead uh, at Valo, so I transitioned from code to PowerPoint. I don't know if it's a skills uh, or technical skills today. Welcome to our world. <laughs> um, where I uh, lead our product strategy, vision, and um, product uh, management team. Over there. Okay. So that's, uh, that's what I do now, but still, when I have a little bit of free time, when I'm bored at night, I, I crack up Visual Studio and I still code a little bit. So I'm still very passionate, uh, but I really love what I do. So it's it's a good trade-off. I guess a developer heart is always a developer heart. It doesn't matter if you go away, you manage something else, you always have that passion. Something similar to me, like I haven't developed in a while, but sometimes I go, okay, I'm gonna go do something fun just for the sake of it. So I um, don't wanna do the PowerPoint or the documentation. Oh, exactly. It stops at code. Yeah. No, no comments, no documentation, no, no, no launch into production. That's right. for the real devs. <laughs> so, Seb, we're talking a little bit about the landscape for SharePoint developers. Can you maybe share with us a little bit about your view on how that's changing or how that has changed in recent time? Because I think you started off as a SharePoint developer. So how did that landscape change? Yeah, so the um, the landscape used to be a very server side and very classic SharePoint landscape where uh, nothing was really changing. You had a framework, you had a version, you were good for three to four years. So you were able to build your own skills skill set through the th those three, four years from 2010 to 2013, even 2013, there was, there was actually no changes uh, from a developer uh, standpoint. So um, this was kind of the old school versions of the SharePoint dev. And when the online model came in, a lot of SharePoint devs got a little bit, a little bit scared. 
we don't have access to the server anymore. We don't have access to create C-sharp code that is hosted on SharePoint. So how do we transition from this to now where, where we are living in the cloud and even new languages and uh, technologies? So today, even though people used to do those C-sharp things, I would say that 99% of SharePoint Online or let's call it Microsoft 365 developers are utilizing technologies like TypeScript, um, uh, Azure to build those solutions. So from a very on-prem C-sharp web form um, stack, it's now everything is up to the cloud, running on your customer's machine as JavaScript and leveraging some of those um, cloud capabilities to maybe drive a little bit more uh, power into the solution. So um, this gap or this change that has to have, or that had, I hope had happened um, a couple of years back um, was a tough shift. Um, it was hard for people to, to do that, that change, to go from coding in Visual Studio to basically coding in a text editor. Like, like if it were like back 25 years ago where terminals and VI were the two only things that existed on a, on a developer's computer, um, we're kind of back to this. And I think after being a little bit frustrated at the beginning, now you look at, at where we're at today, and it's just fabulous. It's amazing because, um, and you said it pretty well, um, Antonio, at the beginning. Seb, you were a SharePoint dev. Definitely, I was a SharePoint dev. I was not even a web developer initially. I was a SharePoint dev because SharePoint was so hard, so difficult, so specific in how you were able to customize it that actually I was doing SharePoint stuff. I didn't really know about what was happening around the web. Exactly. But now today, I really believe that a SharePoint dev is a web developer, and that's it. He's a web dev, leveraging web technologies, open source standards, um, um, a common stack across whatever tools. I love the, to see that I'm using the exact same IDE as a Python guy is using, as a Node, as a TypeScript, even as C-sharp today. So we, as a community, as a development community, are getting stronger. There's a bunch of tools that are being made available because we decided to, okay, let's standardize our things and let's try to use something that will be easier for new developers to jump on. I remember when I was mentoring developers back in the days, Oh my God, it was like taking, what, 18 months to get a dev to be up to speed on SharePoint because it was so hard. We had to carry those monsters around, those laptops, like like three inches thick and uh, 16 yeah. gigs of RAM, which was a thing back in the days. Uh, I even had an SSD in my laptop because it was so slow if I, I, ha I hadn't that. But today... Everyone can 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 contribute to the success of a development project because it's so easy and everything. So the landscape changed from like it, like A to Z. It's two different things, two different um, stacks, two different technologies, two different skills. The only thing yeah. that sticks is your love of development. So yeah. it's still there. That's that's a really good way to put it. Like I still have my, my giant really thick laptop. I, I used to call it my Texas size laptop. You know, I used to live in Texas. It weighed like 15 pounds, had 32 gigs of RAM. It was brilliant. I could do everything locally. Yeah. And that shift of being a developer where you had everything resident on your laptop, right? All your libraries, all your DLLs, um, all the resources you need to access were local. 
Um, I could work offline, online, to where now the development stack is everywhere. A lot of it is on the web. So this transition of being a developer to being a web developer is something that a lot of people have had to go through. And you know, you've talked a little bit how you found that transition. Like, I come from a strongly typed development background. So C and C++ developer back in the day, working on large enterprise apps for Windows desktops, transitioning to C Sharp and .NET when that came around in the early 2000s to now a web developer where you're now writing JavaScript, right? And if you want strongly typed languages, you need TypeScript. Yep. So how have you personally found that transition? Because I personally found it very hard to go from a strongly typed language, which I love, and I know exactly what all my data types are doing, to a, a not, you know, a, a language that's not strongly typed, where you use vars, and, and that just feels <laughs> wrong to me. But I, 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 that attitude has to change. So how have you found that transition? Um, it is it is a very difficult transition in, in the beginning, especially when you're, you're trying to stick to like regular JavaScript. A lot of people are trying to, I, um, I believe in JavaScript, TypeScript is something, but JavaScript is really where the core of web is. So let's go JavaScript and let's go var and let, and that's it. I, I don't care about the types and I'm going to figure it out. Um, but when you're doing this change, especially when you're doing it on a, on a SharePoint mindset, um, you're going to be pushed into the, the TypeScript world, which will bring that, or will, which will bring part of that strongly type experience back to the the IDE. Um, even in IntelliSense and Autocomplete, you're going to find your properties. You're going to find your methods. And this is where, because at the beginning, each file is a file. There's no relationship within those files. You're like completely lost, where I used to do like um, right-click in Visual Studio, go to definition, find all references. Boom, you were finding everything. It was yeah. amazing. Uh, now, with the latest versions of the, like I would call them the modern IDEs, um, Sublime or uh, what I'm using is Visual Studio Code, um, they really, really bring that richness that Visual Studio had. I wouldn't say all the richness, but enough of that richness that you can actually be start to be productive again um, in those. So. The transition was was quite hard, especially because it was in the early beginnings, the early days where these tools were not there. So I remember building full Angular apps um, without any IntelliSense. That was a lot of wow. yes, um, screaming, copy paste, copy paste, and console log and Google Chrome debugging, because that was how you were finding your errors. But today, you can even have those happening ahead of time, ahead of compile or ahead of build. So you know that you are valid in your, um, in your, in your file. It finds all the references throughout all the structures of directories you have in your project. So it's, I think we're back to something that will, we're going to build on that foundation now to be even more productive. But today, any, I don't know if anyone is really missing the old school Visual Studio today. 
I think we're at a point where we're really, really getting close. I think the point for that is uh, what you don't miss from the old Visual Studio code is the, the notion of deployment. And you're going to go build your code and going to have to deploy it, deploy it to a farm and go. And the debugging of that was pretty difficult and it was too, too painful from a debugging point of view and how you deploy things. It this definitely, no one misses that. No, it was the, the worst experience possible. Right. Thanks to that Texas size laptop, we were able to do this within three to four minutes. But just think about when I had, I had a colleague next to me, I remember that. He was next to me and he was, um, I was working in consulting here in Montreal. He was doing .NET, just like um, ASP.NET work. And it was like, control S, boom, page reloads, he can test his stuff. Then it was like, okay, so I'm, I'm about to build and deploy that to an environment so I can test it. So I'm gonna have three to four minutes of wait time between now and me actually refreshing the page. And it was like, seriously? Four <laughs> minutes, every build? I save every three minutes. How can you do, well, um, we, we gotta live with that. <laughs> And 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 yeah, those days were, um, those days were good. But at the same time, it's like when you look at it, it's like ah, wow. I, I was three, suffering. I was really suffering back for, in the day. For three to four minutes, I remember. I remember my C plus plus builds back in the Corel days, taking forty five minutes to build the app. So oh. you would you would build and you you know you'd go away and get a coffee and maybe have lunch and come back and then you could test. So. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so we come a long way. Yes, so, we did. Um, you talked about the shift to the web developer from, from a SharePoint development. Yep. If you're looking at the Office 365 stack, we don't have SharePoint. SharePoint is, like you said, like the, the tip of the iceberg. Yep. We got, you got Teams. We got to have to look at and work with Graph API. We got Flow and we got Power Automate. Uh, we got Power Apps. We got a lot of things that uh, or features and services that we have to work with, and specifically from a team's perspective, where a lot of us now live in teams from collaborating with others or storing documents, retrieving documents, and meeting uh, different people, and there are the notion of apps in teams. So yeah. that shift from a SharePoint dev into a web dev definitely will have an impact on how you utilize the other uh, platforms in Office 365. So what's your experience in that uh, it's from perspective? It's, it's, it's exactly that. Doing the, um, doing the shift enables you to have a way better understanding of the technology. And then afterwards, applying that technology to other platform or surfaces or experiences, whatever Microsoft is calling those products. And um, it makes it super easy. The best example is, um, I did a session in uh, Europe at the European SharePoint Conference in November last year on taking an existing web part, a SharePoint web part built with SPFX, changing two lines of code, and now having it as part of my Microsoft Teams. Bringing the existing feature set, um, uh, tech stack, with two lines of code, changes, uh, of code changes, deploy it to SharePoint, automatically it gets deployed to Teams, and now you can benefit from this app within Microsoft Teams. For sure, not every single SharePoint web part actually makes sense within Microsoft Teams. That's not the goal. But what we can think about 
is the fact that you might have built a provisioning web part that you have as part of your organization to govern your team's um, provisioning. Or maybe you have uh, you, you, you built for the last year your expense report in a very expensive web part in SharePoint because that's where all your enterprise applications are. And now this can finally leave SharePoint because it might not be where it, it, it should be. It's just there because it's a hosting platform. And it was easier to deploy it over there and you knew the stack, so you decided to go that way. But now bringing it closer to the, to the user, like I don't know how much time a day I, um, I am productive in Teams or I spend in Teams. It's crazy. Like at Valo, we literally don't have any internal emails. That does not exist. We don't email each other. We just use Teams. So I'm literally in Teams all day because I get questions from everywhere. I collaborate with people on, on basically every day. But that's where I spend my time. So why would not my app be with me also there? Because that's where I am. And that's exactly what, um, um, for example, SharePoint Framework allows in, in terms of transitioning to Microsoft Teams from SharePoint Framework. Also, you don't want to have something in, Share, in SharePoint because it doesn't make sense, but you still want to have it in Teams. You can still use the SharePoint Framework because it, it can be Teams only. So by utilizing those new surfaces where you can bring apps, it's amazing. You can connect them to the context of your team, know the member, know the content, know the files. It, so everything becomes way more connected. It's even available on your phone. No need to build a, mo a mobile app anymore. Just make it an app in Teams and boom, you have access to it directly from the click of a button right within Microsoft Teams. Um, so it's really cool. But what is even cooler, which is something that has been there for a long time is if you're looking at the entire um, spectrum of services that exist in Microsoft 365, there's a bunch. There's SharePoint, there's Teams, there's all the Office apps, uh, Exchange, not Exchange, but Outlook, Word, Excel, PowerPoint, all of those, which is where the information worker will be also spending the rest of their time. One of their part of their time will be inside Teams to collaborate, but then afterwards they're going to get out of Teams or utilize Word and Excel and PowerPoint within Teams to produce what they have to produce. When I do my roadmap slide decks or when I build mockups, it's everything is happening with one of those within one of those products, and even with the same technology that we deployed that expense report or that app, that custom line of business app that you built, you can even bring it to those products also, to Outlook, to, to um, Excel, to PowerPoint, to Word, as part of it using the Office add-in system. So for me, learning the web stack, applying it to the SharePoint framework, and then afterwards deploying it to any tools around Microsoft 365, makes at the beginning it was seen that this learning curve was pretty rough but this is totally worth it when you understand that now from a server side sharepoint dev you, you can now extend any experiences that ex that exist at microsoft so this transition is a tough one it needs to be done there's a bunch of resources to do it but once you get a grasp of that new tech you're basically the king of Microsoft 365 to be able to extend it. 
And that's the part that um, not a lot of people are focusing on that because we, we're still using our old habits of everything SharePoint, everything SharePoint, everything SharePoint, or even everything Teams, everything Teams, everything Teams. No, it's everything could be everything. And we just need to figure out the right way of positioning your app or your business requirement to maybe even take your app and make it multi-part, one part in Outlook, one part in Teams, one part in SharePoint, depending on the use cases that you want to do. Your dashboard, put it in SharePoint, but your entry for your help desk system, put it in Teams. And when you're in Word, maybe refer to existing tickets or help desk or whatever directly within Word or whatever. So all of these different patterns really bring, I think, the experience of the dev to be way, way better because it's one type of code, one technology to learn. And for the business user in the end, it's just multiple ways to hit the user and make sure that he gets productive and adopt the technology that you're deploying. So it's not just the landscape that is changing from a tech perspective, but it's the impact that you're making on the business when you're deploying those different apps. So that's, that's why I really love that new world um, it just it just makes sense uh, in the end to be more productive as a dev and make your organization more productive. That's, that's a really interesting point you brought up where you would take an app that traditionally would be built, say, within SharePoint or within something else, and then blowing it up and taking the different aspects of it and embedding them into the collaboration tools that people use today. So maybe part of it in email or Outlook, part of it in Teams, part of it maybe in SharePoint still, part of it in Word or some other tool. Um, yeah. We talked a lot about, about Teams there and how everyone's you know using Teams as their main collaboration platform and you know spending most of your day in Teams. Is there anything you would say, like like when you, when you think about that, taking those solutions, bring them into Teams, is there any particular use cases or or technology that doesn't make sense in Teams that that you would not bring into Teams? Are there any limitations there still today? There's um, I wouldn't say there's limitations, but there's just the the good sense. Like don't there there's a it's not just because you could do anything. Basically in Teams, it's it's you wrap a web page. Yeah. That's basically what's happening. But then at the same time, there's some systems that that needs to be more powerful, that needs to be more uh, compliant, that probably needs to have their own, um, their own location. Uh, but in the end, I see a use case of every single app as when you, you, you said blow up, as one of those items that blows up to be back in Microsoft Teams. Um, maybe your vacation request uh, system that you have to do, go and ask your boss for a two week vacation to the Bahamas because you had that phone call because it was free. Uh, <laughs> and now you want to go to the Bahamas. Um, maybe entering this in Teams is not necessarily the best way to do it. Maybe you have a very complex system that has to go through a bunch of it. You already paid for it, so yes, use it. But let's not, why not have a dashboard in Teams about your current uh, vacation requests and have it as a personal app in Microsoft Teams. That would make a lot of sense, but not the entire app. Maybe it's not performant enough, or maybe it's something that you need to be connected to your corporate network to have access to, and Teams is not always connected to your corporate network or whatsoever. Um, but for me, I see a use case into pretty much every app to be at, at a certain point 
integrated within teams. Something we haven't talked about because it's something that is more on the on, on another path or another type of technology, but it's all the bots that exist in Microsoft Teams to bring the interact interactive discussion um, and try to do stuff, make the bot do stuff for you. Vacation request could be a good example. Maybe it could be totally automated through through a bot, or maybe the bot comes back to you, hey, by the way, your request that you did in this other system was just to prove you're good to go have a great vacation. Yeah, yeah so you had that really good point. It's not the limitation of what we can develop in Teams, it's what makes sense. Back in the days, I used to see some case management system or CRM systems in SharePoint. Yes, you can do it. It's not the right platform. It's just Agreed. basically making the right decisions on where to host those apps and where to expose them, or when you blow them up, you do part in Teams, part in, uh, in email or in SharePoint. That's a very valid point that business users and developers will have to look into it when they develop their apps. Yep, exactly. And it's important to have a, um, when, especially when you're architecting those systems or when you're gathering the requirements, don't think about your app as a web page with multiple tabs on top and you can move from one to the other. Think about what are the, the pains of the user? What can I solve? And this could, could come up in 20 different forms, yeah. 20 different formats of stuff. Mobile app, Teams app, and maybe even, I don't know, a phone line. So you can, whatever. But stop thinking about a system as a single thing. It's kind of, I, I, I love, in, um, in technology, especially when you're architecting, com, uh, architecting uh, complex systems, we, we hear about a lot um, uh, the, uh, about microservices, building the smaller possible bits so they can all evolve independently. Why don't we do the same thing with our apps? Why don't we, our UI, become micro UIs that will respond to a specific need is way faster to deliver and get an impact, and then afterwards to build the other pieces. Stop, and that works nicely also with using agile and methodologies, using fast shipment, fast building, DevOps, all these kind of things. It makes a lot of sense in, in, in 2020. We're, we're in 2020. We, we, have to, we have to be the cool kids of the valley now. Uh, <laughs> we have to hack like them. So, um, given that you've gone through the shift and uh, how painful it was, or a, a drastic change in how you think and how you work, any any tip that you you can give to developers, uh, technically, and just talk a little bit geeky here, yeah. um, on what they should do to make that transition into uh, the call it the web development, the cloud development, or the Office 365, whatever they want to call yeah. it. Let's let's take an assumption that you are a SharePoint dev today still working on some on-premises environment or in, in let's call it in an old-fashioned way. Um, the first advice that I'm, in every se single session I get that question, what's, what's my first step? Well, your first step is stop developing on the server. S try to figure out a way to make your code run somewhere else in the browser using JavaScript on another server, which is not the SharePoint server, to build some of those services. This will give you a good example of how the cloud will be when you're going to get there. So think cloud first, basically. So get your code out of the server. If you're deploying a WSP, 
how it's been a while eh, since you've been yeah. deploying the uh, WSP plugin. You know how to spell it? <laughs> or you forgot? <laughs> <laughs> but if you're still deploying the WSP, you're doing it wrong. Then afterwards, learn, I would say there's one technology you need to learn is JavaScript. Um, if you don't learn JavaScript, you won't be able to make the switch to, to the cloud. The cloud is JavaScript, even on the back end. Uh, lots of noise and buzz around Node.js running on the server side. So JavaScript is, when I started 15 years ago, uh, my colleagues were scaring me about JavaScript, like don't touch JavaScript. They were calling it the, the language of their grandma. Like it, 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 it was like a boring language, really not advanced. So they were like, stay away from it. And today it's like, no, don't look at other languages. Just look at, at what JavaScript can offer you. Um, when you're done with JavaScript, then I would go to TypeScript. I think it's important to understand the basics and the foundation of JavaScript before you can actually learn TypeScript. You can go TypeScript already, but you're going to bring some bad pattern from a C-sharp perspective to TypeScript if you do it at one-on-one. -on -one. Going through the JavaScript world will change a little bit of how you think. And then afterwards, look at the cloud opportunity that, that exists. Like, don't, don't spin up a server if you need to run 50 lines of backend code. Look at Azure web apps or uh, look at Azure functions or look at any Azure capabilities that are in there. First, stop thinking about costs. Like it's literally free to use Azure today. A good example is Azure function is literally free for the first million calls a month. So like it's not even a, or worst case is going to cost you two bucks um, a month to run an intensive a uh, number of, of requests there. So it's really not that much of an issue. This week, they even released Cosmos DB as a free tier. So you can leverage Cosmos DB up to five gigabyte. A database of five gigabyte is a pretty good size database. Um, and, and it's free. So basically now you can use Azure function for free, a database for free, all run, all run and, and managed by SharePoint and um, always available. Where's the catch? There's no catch. There's there's no trick. Just just use it. And all the technologies that are um, consuming those services, they're not all aware of those services. So it makes it super easy to call a service in the cloud, get the results very securely through authentication and all these kind of things, and then deliver it to your user. So stop server, no WSP, learn JavaScript, look at the cloud. I would I would say that's kind of the path from being um, a SharePoint dev to being a whatever dev today. Excellent feedback. Very good. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, we are coming to the end of our time for the podcast. Uh, it was always great to talk to you, Seb. Um, always great to to catch up and get your opinion on, on the world of web development. <laughs> um, Antonio, anything else you want to add? I just wanted to thank you for your time, Seb. This has been a great discussion. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Stay safe. Wash your hands. And uh, <laughs> great to talk to you guys. Okay. You Talks too. Thank you, Seb. Cheers, Thanks. everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye.